My name is Logan Draper, and this is Modern Mad Men, episode 16, and today we're setting with a legend, a legend, Mark Luker. Thanks for joining us today. I am so glad to be here. I was going to list off all the things that you are and have done, and I probably will do it disservice, so if you would, tell us <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my goodness. Well, I started on it in education 41 years ago as a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing, and um enjoyed that job very, very much and learned a lot about myself and a lot about kids and mm. decided I wanted to become an administrator. And so I remember going to some classes and and trying to learn how to be a leader and um, finally became an assistant principal at Ben Milam, El- ben Milam Elementary School. And then I was there one year and became the principal at Kate Haynes Elementary School. I was there one year, and then the superintendent, Dr. Carnine, came to me and said, we need you at Jefferson. Jefferson is overflowing. It's going to be our biggest elementary school in the district. Would you go over there and work with the folks at Jefferson? And I said, I would be happy to. Um, I didn't like it because I loved Kate Haynes, a small school, Mm. great staff. And so I went to um, Jefferson and stayed there for 13 years as the principal. And again, love that. Still have some of the staff, still some of the staff that are there or people that I hired. Um, my grandson went to that school, so it, it's kind of exciting to go back and see, you know, what Jeff Jefferson has evolved into. That's cool. And then after that, um, I decided that I was going to try my hand in um, private education and interviewed for the headmaster's job at the Episcopal School when it was the Episcopal School. And I stayed there for three or four years as the headmaster and um, just decided that, you know, I wasn't really in touch with the students as much as I wanted to be. And there were things going on that that I wanted to do differently. And so I decided to get back into education and I became the principal at um, Lakeside Elementary School in Coppell, Texas, which Coppell, Texas has one of the most prestigious school districts in the state. I mean, it is a phenomenal district. Um, was very blessed to be able to get that job and finish out my career in education at Lakeside Elementary School. So since then, um, when my magic number came up with the retirement system, the teacher retirement system, I decided that I wanted to speak, teach, train, coach, do all of those things associated with leadership because that's where my heart was. And so um, I spent the next eight years trying to build my own business, trying to um, get the word out there about what I did. Um, A lot of it was education-based. I did a lot of speeches at the uh, Texas um, Association of Elementary School Principals and Supervisors Association, TEPSA. And, um, you know, so then my August would start filling up and I'd be real busy in August for back to school. And then August would go away. And then, so now what do I do? You know, that kind of thing. But I got involved with the University of North Texas with um, Region 4 out of Houston and with Grand Canyon University in Arizona. And I started supervising student teachers for all of those people and have done that every semester since then. So I've done that for about eight years. Still doing it? Still doing it. I have seven this semester. So, that's cool. you know, I'm not one to just sit around and not do anything. I want to be busy. Um, you know, they say an idle mind is the devil's yeah. workshop. <laughs> I don't want an idle so mind. That's not so I didn't know. So that's where I am now. Um, in August of last year, August of 2017, I attended John Maxwell training in Orlando, Florida for four days, which I sat probably... 
50 feet from John Maxwell, who is a legend to me. I love his material. I, I just yeah. love his leadership style and what he teaches. And so that is my passion now, to share some of that training, share some of that leadership learning that I had um, with anyone who wants to, to learn more about it. Yeah. So that's where I am. So why did, uh, what got you to John Maxwell's conference? You know, his books. Basically, his books. Um, I think he's written over a hundred books. Um, That's more than I've read. While we, <laughs> me too, probably. But while we were there, they even celebrated. I think it was his fourth or fifth book becoming a million. He had sold a million books, so they celebrated that and had this little. Is the most fun thing ever. This little celebration with him. Um, but he is just so smart and just you know, it's such a simple theory and and. and you know, it's so spiritual. I mean, it's so biblical. Take care of people and they'll take care of you. I mean, that's pretty much what good leaders do. And just to sit and listen to him, Logan, this is kind of a little offside, but I'm going to share it. It was on, there was a Sunday. We were there on Sunday and a Monday. We're actually, it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But anyway, we're there on a Sunday and John Maxwell kept, kept saying, you're not going to want to miss Sunday morning because I'm going to preach. And you know, that's in his background is preaching. Um, I think there were 2,000 people at this at this conference, and the, the place was packed. I mean, there were people standing. People listened to John Maxwell. Don't miss it. Nobody missed it. Um, he basically shared some wonderful heartfelt stories with us, and then he gave the whole plan of salvation. I mean, the entire plan of salvation. There were over 400 people saved oh on goodness. Sunday morning at a John Maxwell training. So, wow. I mean... I will never forget that morning. It was That's it was amazing. unbelievable. There was a, a choir there singing when we walked in, an African American choir singing all of these. You know, um, oh. what is that? What is that song that I can't even think of the song? But you would know it if I could think of it. But oh my word, it was it was God was alive and well that morning. <laughs> what a cool use of <laughs> your training! Yeah. I'm sorry, you could have used this training that Sunday any any way you wanted. Oh, what a cool way to use uh, it. He he's a he's one of the best men I've ever met. Yeah. And I, you know, just to sit and have a conversation like this, I've never done that. But I've had little small conversations with him and then get to listen to him from the podium and you just instant, instantly connect yeah. because, because of his knowledge and, and his background. As yeah. Well. So you've been, how long were you in education? 41 years. Also, uh, Episcopal, when you were at the Episcopal School, was that the one on MSU? Yes. What uh-huh. years uh, were you there? Oh my goodness. I was there when the Cowboys had the training camp right okay. across the street <laughs> and came to practice. You know what? I'm not going to be able to pull those years out. But wait just a second. Um, two th- it's right around 2000. Okay, never right mind in, Right in there. It, it was right before they decided to move and, to, and change the name to Christ Academy. Okay. We were even talking about that while I was there. Okay. And then that was just, it was right after that. Okay. I worked there for a little while and like the after school care. Oh, but you it was, did. It was after that for sure. Okay. You it know, was like I think it was right after the name change. I would have known you if you were. Yeah. If you were. It was. Well, you might not have. I was. Yeah. Well, you would have. I'd probably been in trouble. Yeah. Or yeah like probably so. Getting kids in trouble. <laughs> or something. So how long you've been in education for? How long? Forty-one years. Forty-one mm-hmm. years. And I'm counting now. I'm still counting education years because I'm working with the University of North Texas and doing the student teaching. And yeah. That. So I'm still very up to date with everything that's going on in the classroom and in in the schools, which yeah. I want. I want to stay. And how many years in like leadership within the school? Let's see. Um, probably about 21. 21 years as a principal for sure. And 22 if you count the assistant principalship. So That's a long time. It is. That's why there's no hair on this head. Yeah. I'm telling you. It's trying trying to lead all those wild people. But it it's 
so rewarding. You know, seeing some of the kids that I had as kindergartners now um, doing great things yeah. and, and, you know, even being asked to perform weddings for former students that I've had, getting to do that. Um, it's it's That's got to be a tough job. It's been a good What would trip. you say is the toughest part about being a principal? The toughest job, I think, is just, especially nowadays, it's it's the whole job has just totally evolved into something that, that I never dreamed that it would. You know, it used to be what, what, you've seen this before, but what has my child done to cause this problem and let me discipline my child because they have done this? Now it's what have you done to make my child behave this way? And parents just aren't quite as reasonable now. And, um, you know, when I was, began as a principal, I paddled kids. A lot. Yeah. I mean, I really did. Um, I still have kids that come up to me and say, I remember the busting you gave me when I was in first grade or second grade or whatever. And now I wouldn't touch a kid for a million dollars because, you know, lawsuits are just prevalent. I mean, that's what they want to do. They want to find some way to see you. I even went from busting kids to saying, okay, if you feel like your son needs to be busted, then you can come up and paddle them. And, and I'll witness that, but I'm not going to paddle them. And I did that about twice and I watched parents literally beat their children. And I said, yeah. that's not a good option yeah. for me. I, <laughs> I can't stand that. I'd end up crying more than the kids because it was just, you know, it's horrible. But, um, yeah, there's just, a, I think just the change in education and yeah. the expectations, all of the accountability has done a lot to education and to the pressure that, that yeah. teachers are under. Teachers, especially in Texas, work you know, it's not a 40-hour work week. I mean, you know, I would have teachers that would get there when I did about 6.30 in the morning and go home about 7.30 or 8.30 at night. I mean, literally, yeah. night after night after night. So um, that I think that's the challenge. Yeah. It's just you, you, we just can't seem to please people. A lot of the money is being um, used in different ways. Education very seldom gets enough money to actually run the schools, and so there's a lot of lobbying that goes on. I was also privileged to serve as the state president for Texas Elementary School Principals at one point. And that was probably one of the most rewarding things I've done as well, because we went to Washington, D.C. and lobbied. And we went to Austin and lobbied. That's and cool. So we got to know our representatives and senators, and we would actually go in and talk to them about our cares and concerns. And often they would look at you like, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. And then you're thinking in the back of your mind, but you're making all of the decisions about what we do and you don't understand yeah. what I'm trying to talk about. So, but yeah. going back to, you, you talked about, you know, <clears throat> paddling kids or, you know, the change from the last 20 years. So somebody who hopefully will be a parent mm -hmm. at some point, what do you see like in that stuff, the, the change of years, like in oh. leadership, how you discipline, you know, were we too hard back then? Are we way too soft now? Like, what are your personal thoughts on that? You know, one day at, at Lakeside Elementary School, I was sitting out in the hall as the kids were leaving and just kind of on the bench. And a parent came over and said, she said, Mr. Lucret, I just have one question for you. And I said, anything, ask me anything. She said, you talk a lot about your kids and you talk a lot about your family. What did you do to keep your kids close to you? Because she said, that's my biggest fear, mm -hmm. that when my kids get older, that they're not going to, they won't want to be with us and they're going to, you know, move far away. And, you know, I was always saying that I didn't like being, you know, two hours away from Wichita. I was living in Coppell, Texas by myself while, you know, my daughter was finishing high school and college and all that kind of stuff. But I told her this. I said, you know what? Just right off the top of my head, I would say, be involved. Mm. Whatever your child is doing, be involved. I can't tell you how many trips we made for 
soccer games for Katie, for, you know, all, we would even, when the kids were growing up, you know, had three boys that were pretty close together, and they would all be involved in baseball. We even coached some of their baseball, but we would have to split at halftime, you know, right in the middle of the game, and my wife go to one kid's game, and I would trade and go to the other kid's game. But it was always, I I can remember the kids saying, Dad, you don't, y'all don't have to come to everything. Oh, but yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> if something happened and we weren't there, how would we feel as parents, you know? Yeah. And anything can happen nowadays. But I think just that involvement, and I think that goes back to your question about schools. How can we help our schools today? The parents can be more involved. Mm. I just I just think parents need to understand that they are needed. It's not, it's not we're going to teach your kids everything they need to know, and you're going to raise them at home. It's a we're going to do this together because as educators, you have those kids at school as many hours a week as they're at home. So um, yeah, the parents that I know and love dearly and can give you their names to this day are those parents that worked with me yeah. and not against me. I mean, they would come up for just little things. And that goes back to leadership. One thing that I wanted for my school buildings was for people to come in, number one, and feel welcome. Mm. They could come in anytime, talk about anything, that, that we weren't a scary place to be. We were holding one of their most valuable possessions yeah. in, you know, in our building. And I want you here with us. I want you to, to just feel comfortable. And in Coppell, you know, since that's my last one, I remember one day a lady came in and she said, this is just a, such a fun place to be. And I said, you couldn't give me $500 and make me any happier. Because if it's a fun place for you, then probably it's a fun place for your kids. And it's a fun place for your kids, then it's probably a fun place for the staff. And it's a fun place for the staff, then we're going to achieve more yeah. than we can ever expect. Because yeah. we're happy, we like being here, and your kids like being here. Yeah. So it's all about involvement and staying with them. Yeah. yeah. And that's good because, one, I, I am completely blown away at your family. You have all the coolest family. Well, And I just seeing y'all's that. dynamic. and um, <laughs> We're pretty close. Yeah. And it's that's something that, you know, Katie and I, you know, as we've... Mm-hmm been married and thinking about kids and things like that we're like that's something that we long for you know to have that and so what's what's cool is this year my word for the year is time because it's one thing i'm not diligent at mm-hmm. i and i thought i picked that word because i wanted to be more disciplined right. what i realized it was 2017 and 2016 i was trying to too hard to get more stuff done and i was allowing time just to escape right and i realized i haven't been present oh. and just learning the art mm-hmm. of just like being okay with stopping mm-hmm. and being in the moment with people is difficult for me for some reason. It's difficult for a lot of people. And that's a, that's so important, especially when you have family, you know, because there's so much out there that can get your attention away from what it, where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and I kind of preach to some of my own kids about that because they have kids of their own now. And, you know, it's going to be over. I mean, you know, when you see, when you see your baby having a baby or when you see your, you know, baby graduating or getting married or all that kind of stuff, you just realize our life is not ever going to be the same because they don't need you anymore. I mean, you know, they have now, thankfully, a husband or a wife that's going to, you know, take care of them. But still, we want to be our happiest times right now. And I say this with all sincerity, our happiest times are when we're with our kids. If we can all be together doing something, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Just like Christmas, you know, during Christmas time when everybody could be there and all the grandkids and everybody, that is our most fulfilling, most happy time because we've invested a lot of time in those little people. And now to see them yeah. investing in their own families, it's just, it's heartwarming. Y'all have a big tribe. Us. We do. It's, I mean, we'll have eight. <laughs> In June or May or June, we'll have number eight. So, 
I just say, bring them on, yeah. bring them on. More you than know, that. we just we love them and send them home. You know, sometimes I say, you, you know, that you're spoiled. You shouldn't do that. That's funny. Mm, but they're at my house. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's going to happen. That's the way it is. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. But yeah, I, I, I love that word time. Right along with time goes balance, mm. you know, because it's just, it's just a balance. You just have to realize, you know, where you are and, and be present and be the best you can be and yeah. keep that time balanced. Because like those teachers I say that work from 630 in the morning until 730 or 8 o'clock at night. That's not a balance. Yeah. That is not a balance. And even with me talking to them and begging them, please, they would say, you know, I, I'm, we're fine. My family's fine, you know. And, yeah. But I would always check on them. I would always say, you know, please don't, don't lose what is really true yeah. and dear to your heart because of a job. Yeah. I, I mean, I quit reading books and started just listening to audiobooks mm-hmm. so that I could get more things done. Oh, Wow. <laughs> You know, that, that, is, that was like, I wanted to grind, get better, be more efficient so I could right. have fun. And I realized mm-hmm. I wasn't having any fun. I was just, yeah, I was just constantly trying just to do things. going through the day. Right? Yeah. And I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm very guilty convicting. at that too. I, I try to do too much um, and try to get too many things going. Like I have several little speeches coming up, <clears throat> excuse me, in the 1st of February. And I'm just constantly working on those and, and then planning for another big thing in June. And I don't know, there's... There's always something to, to keep your mind off the main thing, and that's your family and your faith and your friends, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So. And I'm, I'm, I really think I, and the, the bummer for me is I thought I was doing a good job. Yeah. Because I was getting all this work done, and I just, I think I miss people. And so that's my, that's my goal for this year. And, and thankfully, deep. you realize that, that yeah. you needed to change. Luckily, so I many have. people don't, and it's too late. You yeah. lose your family, you, you lose your kids, you lose, you know, but hey, wait, I'm making it. In the business world or whatever, but why? It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't matter. So <clears throat> education for forty one years. What give me a war story. Oh god. Give me just like the the one story from like a leadership um, role that is chaos. Do you want the long one? Or do you I, I would if, if it's the one you're talking about <laughs> earlier, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So um this this could be a lesson for for anybody, you know. Um I decided through the brilliance of my own brain to get a dog for my school. Um, it all started when one of my parents came in and said, um, can I put this little sign up in the lounge? It was standard poodle puppies for sale. Um, she was a great parent. I knew her. And I just said, Molly, I've always wanted a dog um, to see what a dog would do at school for kids because, you know, service dogs are amazing. And she said, Mark, if you will make one of these puppies into service dog or to a dog that can stay at school, <clears throat> you can have one. And they were $1,200 dogs. And I said, well, let me talk to my wife and see if, if it's okay if we have another dog. And, of course, Debbie's all about that. And she said, sure. And so um, um, got the dog, um, stayed in my office every day. I trained it. Smartest dog. I, I laugh jokingly and say sometimes I think he's smarter than my kids. Sometimes he's just so smart. Um, but he would stay there. The teachers would come by and teach him little tricks. The, you know, Especially some of the special needs kids would come and take him out every day. It was just the neatest thing I've ever done as far as education-wise. Kids loved him. Parents loved him. Um, kids helped me write a book about him. Um, it, it, it's just like a fairy tale. Until one day I was coming home to Wichita Falls. And I stopped at the light by McNeil High School, McNeil High School, McNeil Junior High. And Buddy was in the back. By the way, the kids named the, the dog. We Every class voted, and we took the top five, and they voted again, and Buddy was the winner. So that's how he got his name. Um, <clears throat> but Buddy was in the back seat, and he fell, and I heard him yelp. 
And I thought, oh gosh, I hope that's not bad. Got to our house, which isn't very far from there, and got him out of the car. And he, every time he'd put his weight on his right side, he would yelp. And he was, I mean, he was barely, he was like one year old, I think at that time. And so I thought, oh, this isn't going to be good. So I called a, the vet that we used in um, Valley Ranch and talked to her. And she said, Mark, it doesn't sound good. She said, you could take him and have him x-rayed. Or you can wait until Monday and bring it back here and we'll x-ray him and then we'll just take care of it. And I said, well, I think I can keep him comfortable from, you know, not too much. So anyway, so we took him in x-ray. Hip was broken. Um, the um, surgery was very expensive. They sawed off the ball part of the joint uh. and then they reconnected that leg with tendons and, and things. And then he had to have therapy, water therapy and all this stuff. But... In the middle of all of this, my PTO president came to me and she said, Mark, this is too expensive. She said, PTO wants to help you with some of the bills to take care of Buddy. And I said, oh, I, that's probably not a good idea. And she said, no, good idea or bad idea, we're doing it. You, you're going to accept it because we love Buddy. The kids love Buddy. And by the way, Buddy got more gift baskets and bones <laughs> and gifts than you can even imagine after he got hurt. And so she put that money into a special account with my secretary for us to pay the bills. Well, back up a, a month or two, I had been in a meeting with a parent who was not happy with some decisions that were made in the meeting. And this parent went home and talked to her husband about the decisions and therefore made him unhappy as well. This per person happened to be the secretary treasurer of lakeside pto so instead of coming and talk to, talking to me like most people would and i even still to this day have a glowing letter that he had written me a few months before about how much his kids loved buddy and how much he appreciate me doing this for the school and all this kind of stuff instead of doing that he decided to take the angle that i had taken money from the kids to pay for buddy's food to pay for buddy's um surgery to pay for buddy's grooming to pay for buddy all this oh, stuff no. so i was sitting and and i didn't really realize anything was going on i was sitting in an administration mill administrative meeting downtown and the secretary karen i'll never forget came to me and whispered in my ear you need to go back to your school and i said do you know what's going on and she said elizabeth my secretary said you just you need to come back and so I still remember the same clothes I have on. I remember everything because it just burned in my mind. I drive down MacArthur and I look over at my school and there's all of these satellites all over the playground and in front of the school. And I'm thinking, dang, we must have really won a big honor. There's somebody in that school that wants to honor us for something. I mean, that's that's how, because I remember thinking, I wish I had on a jacket on and all this kind of stuff. I walk in my office and all of these people are sitting there and you know just wide-eyed and they look at me and they say something about buddy and something about money and something about and I look over at my secretary and she just shook her head and kind of pointed to my office and so I just walked into my office and she said Mark will be out in just a few minutes so she came in and told me what was going on that they were there Dallas Morning News Fort Worth Star Telegram radio stations out the wazoo um, just know. to see what I had done wrong and so I went in the office and called downtown and talked to our communication specialist and said, what do I do? And she said, you don't do anything until I get there. So she came out there and then I just went out and tried to answer some of their questions and stuff. But the next morning, the front page, 
of the Dallas Morning News. It said, principal denies whiff of scandal. <laughs> and Buddy's picture was on the front page of the, the Dallas Morning News. And then there were several other newspapers that had picked the stuff up. So I started getting massive. I have probably a three-inch binder full of emails and notes that I got from people. Most of them saying, don't let this get you down. You know, this is a great thing to do for kids. And some of them saying, if you're taking the kid's money for your own personal dog, you're a dog, <laughs> basically. Um, and, you know, time went on and things things would show up like I have an editorial of me um, crawling into a doghouse with Buddy Gate written on my bottom as I'm crawling into this doghouse. And then they would have little, you know, little... Um, little tiny articles about what was going on because I had to have a community meeting involve everyone in the community where the man who made the acquisition came and then I gave my side of the story and he gave his side of the story. My gym was completely packed. I mean, we were getting chairs from every classroom in there because and 99% of the people there were there to support me, cool. which made me feel really good. Even Debbie and I don't remember if it's Debbie and Katie or Debbie and Coulter or Caleb or somebody, they drove from Wichita Falls all the way to Coppell just to be there that night, just to see what was going to happen. And so then there was another article in the paper after that. And, you know, it basically just kind of went away. You know what happened? Byron Nelson passed away. And that kind of took all the pressure off of Buddygate, because I remember that being, you know, all over the newspaper, all over the radios, and they kind of left us alone after that. But honestly, Logan, I thought, I was finished. I really, because, you know, people can make anything, yeah. turn anything into something major like that. Yeah. And never would I take money away from the kids for anything. I mean, um, again, I had a great PTO president and she said, look, I will stand before anybody and tell them that this was our idea, that this is what we wanted to do. And, and she did, they, they spoke. And, um, but the whole thing is that um, the most Learning that came from this and the most beneficial thing that came from this was, number one, was the, a great leader. Jeff Turner was the superintendent in Coppell, one of the greatest leaders I've ever worked for because he uh, he uses a lot of John Maxwell teaching, and I didn't even know that back then, but he, I mean, he is very, very smart. He he just, um, he gets out of the way and lets you do your job. That's the bottom line. Cool. And he came to me, shut the door, and he said, Mark, we're going to be okay. Don't worry about this. He said, we're, we've got our businessman on it. And the hours that people had to spend getting all this stuff together, what was spent, I mean, you can't even imagine. He said, you just hang in there and we're, it's going to be taken care of. And the beauty of it all is that the people from Lakeside Elementary School, um, they really supported me and let me know with nice emails. They would come by. I mean, I, I still have them. Sometimes I'll just get that book out and just read them and I, to tears. I mean, just some of the nicest things were said. And it was just because of this one guy who decided that he was going to get back at me for something that was totally off the wall. But it drew us close. And we were really, I mean, Lakeside was always one of the highest performing schools in Coppell, and they're all high performing, so that's not even a very yeah. good. But I mean, we did big things, but it was because we had good parent support and good kids that worked with me, had the best secretary in the whole world. And it was just, um, it, that was that was one of my biggest nightmares. <laughs> As Who would have ever leadership. thought when you got a dog? Never. Which is, by the way, a great idea. 
Well, and it, it, I mean, Buddy. Did did Buddy ever come back to the school? Buddy never left the school. Okay. I mean, that was the whole thing. Y'all, you're not getting rid of Buddy. You're not going to. It was funny because every year after that, Buddy always showed up in the big convocation meeting with a picture or a poem or a song or something. Buddy's picture was always there because it was such a big deal. Is that on Um, your, uh, on your website? I, buddy, I used to have a buddy page. Buddy and I used to travel around and do bullying, anti-bullying okay. programs in schools. But now he's twelve. He's going to be thirteen okay. years old, and so we don't. He doesn't travel that much anymore. So I, I've taken that that part down. Okay, but I probably need to put something about Buddy on that website. Yeah, but, um, yeah. He that was probably one of the smartest things I did as a as an administrator because kids love dogs. The teachers yeah. when they were having a bad day, they would just come in and just sit beside Buddy and just pet him. And they just say, play like I'm not here. I just need some buddy time. You know, it's just, <laughs> and I loved having him there too, because I was alone. You know, um, I lived there for several years yeah. without any family there. So, Which has got to be tough. Yeah, it was. It was tough, but it worked. You know, we made it work. So we have a lot of, the people that listen for the most part are college kids or business owners, marketing directors, anybody looking for leadership in marketing. So what would you say to the person, whether they be in college trying out their third attempt at starting a business and a job they don't like from a leadership standpoint, what's, what's one or two things that you've learned over the, over all your years that you're like, this first, is, these are great things. First, I would say persevere, 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 because a lot of people, you know, they just get frustrated. Um, it was frustrating for me in the beginning. Um, after I left the Episcopal school, there was one year that I was, that I wasn't a principal. So I worked for, um, Mentoring Minds, which is a big educational company in Tyler, Texas. And the owner of that company spent a lot of time with me. In fact, he, he was in my office one day. He, he's a friend. He was in my office one day and CPS was there. Um, there was a very, very upset parents screaming words that didn't need to be screamed in a school. There was a teacher that was crying um, because the child was hers and he was accusing her of calling CPS and all this stuff was going on. And so I was trying, you know, to calm everybody down and just, you know, get get everybody just to relax for a few minutes. And he waited the whole time and he said, can we go in your office and talk? And I said, sure. And he said, um, you need to get out of here. He said, this is going to kill you. I said, Michael, this is an everyday thing. This, this isn't, you know, this isn't nothing. This is nothing that, you know, that we haven't seen before. And he said, I've got a deal for you. He said, why don't you come work with me? So that's when, you know, my magic number was there. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see what you have to offer. So he started marketing me as far as speaking and did some brochures, did some stuff. And, and that's good and fine. But what I found with all that is the people who need to see those brochures and those flyers and things don't ever see it because the wonderful secretaries like mine would just throw that stuff in the trash because they don't have time to read them or they don't have time. So that, that wasn't ever a good idea. Um, I, I would say too, that, um, as far as leadership, my go-to phrase, you can ask any teacher that has ever worked with me, and I always try to say with me, because I don't think people work for me, they work with me, um, is um, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you can show them as a leader that you genuinely care about them um, as a person, as a part of your team, you can move mountains. But it's those people who think, he doesn't care about me. Yeah. You know, you have to be a compassionate, kind person, in my opinion, to be a leader. And if you, if people don't want to work for you and don't want to follow you, you can't be a leader. I mean, leaders have to have people that follow them and invest in them. And over the years, I've worked for so many different 
kinds of leaders, um, you know, from those that it's my way or the highway and don't question anything I say or anything I ask you to do, just do it, um, to leaders who really genuinely understood that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. So I say if you're interested at all in getting into leadership, Number one, I'd say read some of John Maxwell's books. I mean, The Leader in Me, um, Leadership Gold is one of my favorite books. It's just little nuggets in that good play on words, <laughs> Leadership yeah. Gold, little nuggets of how to be a good leader. Um, one of the things that has just, um, you know, rang true over my training with John Maxwell and since, since August is professional growth. People don't ca- don't take care of themselves. Personal, professional growth for leaders. Mm. I mean, they need to constantly be working on themselves. And just like you said, that time word, they need to understand that, you know, if I'm giving all of my time to this business and these people, who is someone suffering because of that? Um, and there's so many wonderful um, things that we can do with coaching and mentoring and, and speaking, lunch and learns. You know, I'm I'm game to just go into a business for 45 minutes and talk while people eat about how to be an effective leader or what's one, ask, ask their leader, what's one thing that you think your people struggle with? Well, I guarantee you, I've got some information to support, research-based information to support how they can improve with that if they'll just listen. So continuous learning, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Persevere, persevere, yeah. persevere. Remember to be a kind, compassionate leader and then uh, continue to take care of your own learning. Yeah. I learn every day, and I'm sure you do too. <laughs> oh my goodness! There's, there's just, yeah, so much out there to learn. So, so tell, give the people an idea of what you do now in terms of like uh, leadership training, like what you do, how you come in. What I'm, um, the main thing with with the John Maxwell team, and I think I even mentioned this to you, is is we would chant over and over again. We teach, we train, we coach, we mentor, um, and. The teaching part is through masterminds, it's book studies. It's John Maxwell book studies that can be done on the phone, online, you know, um, what's that, Skyping or FaceTime, FaceTime. Um, There's a lot of people that do those type of things are just going into a business and saying, okay, this afternoon at three o'clock or, you know, for the next month, we're going to do every Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock, we're going to meet in the office and we're going to talk about leadership gold, or we're going to talk about 15 invaluable laws of leadership or 21 indisputable laws of leadership or 15 laws of growth or whatever. Um, but that's what I want to do more of. There's, I have an opportunity to maybe do something big for Wichita Falls um, before the end of March. And so I'm going to talk to some people about that, just as I visited with you a little bit about this morning. Um, and it's just all about leadership. It's with Dave Ramsey, John Maxwell, some really big names in leadership. Um, but that's that's what I want to do. And, you know, I talked 90% of the time about education and about working in schools. I think that um, helped me become the leader that I am mm-hmm. because um, I and I still get notes today with, you know, my kids still talk about you and, you know, their kids may be, you know, lawyers now or judges or whatever, but they talk about the fact that you knew them and they knew you and they weren't afraid of you. <laughs> and so, you know, you may remember growing up and being a, a little bit afraid of the principal and Terrifying. going to the principal. <laughs> and I did not ever want that. Yeah. I did not ever want that to be part of my leadership style. I wanted to be able to talk to kids. I used to say I didn't want to progress above elementary school because if a kid came to me and they were in trouble... I did not want them leaving my office until they cried. <laughs> and the reason that I wanted them to do that is because if they cry, 
nine times out of ten, I know I've gotten to their heart. Mm. And then I can then I can talk to them about, you know, um, I remember this is kind of a funny story, but I remember one kid coming in, one of, you know, I have a million favorite kids. So when I say one of my favorites, it, that encompasses a bunch of kids. But he came in and he was in trouble. Third grade, never, ever, ever been in trouble. His teacher was the teacher that got there at 6.30 and went home at 8 o'clock at night. Phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. And she sent him down and I said, this never, ever happens. I don't think I ever received kids from this teacher. You know, some some you get a lot, some you don't get any. He walked in and he had tears in his eyes and I said, okay, tell me what's up. This isn't a happy happy visit, is it? And he said, I'm in trouble. And I said, what have you done? I said, I can't believe that you're in this office because you're in trouble. And he was pretty sobby at that time. And I, he said, I was singing in class. And I said, well, that's that. were you disrupting? You know, what was going on? He said, no, I was singing an inappropriate song. And I said, okay, so tell me what the song was. And it was, I like big butts <laughs> in the class. And Miss Etheridge said, Mark, I just couldn't, I, I, I couldn't not have him come down to the office because that, number one, wasn't using appropriate language in class. He was disturbing the class. And she said, I would, I didn't want to send him. So I just said, okay, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to call your mom. Of course, then the tears really flowed. And his dad was a friend of mine as well. So I picked the mom because I knew the dad might be, the dad would probably just crack up laughing because yeah. his son had done The mom said, she first thing she says, this is my fault. She said, I sing that at home. And she, she said, I know that he's just heard me singing and, and he's doing it. I said, well, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to keep him down here for, you, for a few minutes. We're going to talk. And you can talk to him when he, when he gets home. But help him understand that that's you know, inappropriate for school and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I want it. And, you know, he's still one of my favorite kids to this day. He's a friend on Facebook. He's a senior in high school, um, does all this wonderful stuff in, in, at Coppell High School. And um, it's just that kind of thing. You know, my life now is so rewarding just because I get to hear from the kids that, you know, grew up with me, even at Kate Haynes. I ran into a girl not too long ago and said, weren't you the principal at Kate Haynes? And I said, yeah, a million years ago. And she said, I remember you. You were my principal. And I said, was I nice? She said, yeah, because that was my first job. First job ever as a principal. And she said, yeah, we liked you. And I said, well, that makes me feel just a little bit better. But, um, I just think, you know, it's so important that, that we realize that what, what you're doing right now today is going to have an impact years and years down the road on the people that you're working with yeah. and the people that you know. And I think in the, the situation that we're in in this world and in this life, we need more of that. We need more people. John Maxwell's main thing is to pour value into people, mm-hmm. add value to people every single day. He says... I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is ask God, what does this day hold for me? Hmm. What do you want from me today? And it's always to add value to people. And Debbie Lukert is the best person in the world with that. I mean, we can be getting on an airplane. We can be in the line at the grocery store. We can be anywhere. And she just strikes up a conversation with anybody. And so many That's a gift. It, It is a gift. I think it's called the gift of gab. Maybe, maybe that's the gift. But <laughs> I don't have it. So many people will say to her, "Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me." You know, and you just think, "What's going on in that person's life?" Yeah. And this yeah. one little bit of happiness, this one little bit of someone genuinely caring about you to talk to you, yeah, um, can make a a world of difference. Yeah. So that's 
you know. I mentioned your answer to this. I was talking with a coworker yesterday about, you know, we were talking about my time issue. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about, you know, when I look back, I don't think I'll look back on design works or work mm-hmm. and say that's where my value was. It's just investing in the people around me. Right. How I do that, family, friends, people I come in contact with. But like, what are some ways that you have, have seen that you just you provide value to people? I mean, especially whether it be in the workplace or friends. Like, what does that look like from a leadership role? Well, I think um, a, a little bit before that is I realized early on how much I love this community, how much I love the people in this community. So I tried really hard to serve and help out whenever I could, realizing we had four kids and I was a principal into that. But, you know, I served on the YMCA board for a long time. I served on the Parent and Education Board. Um, I just tried to be involved with as many people as, as I could could be. Um, and always when I was involved, I wanted to try and do things that would make a difference, not just for the people, but for the community, you know, things that are going to help the community. And looking back, I don't think I was smart enough to even understand what I was doing at that point. But now some of those people that I worked with on the, you know, the YMCA fund drive and the board and all that, and the people that I worked with in, in different areas of the community, in my churches and, and, and that kind of thing, those are the people at my age that I value now and I can really call friends because mm. it's been years and years and years and years, and yet we still have things to talk about and we still love to catch up with each other and we love to, you know, to talk and, and do those kind of things. So I think adding value to people early on in, and understanding that concept can make a huge retirement difference for you because you reap those benefits later on. You don't realize what you're doing now. I know some of the things that you're doing now, and I see you. I see you doing some of these things. And you may just think right now you're just doing them just to be doing them to help out. But you're making lifelong friends. You're making differences in people's lives. Um, and those things you're gonna you're gonna see those. I mean, just to get a note on Facebook from somebody that says, I mean, this is perfect perfect example. Um, do you still play? Don't worry, be happy. Um, for special things because every single time the kids would take a test, a big major test like tax or toss or whatever star, um, I would always play that every morning. Don't worry, be happy. You know, just do your best. Just don't worry, be happy. And so, and I do, I still play that before every speech that I give. It's on my playlist while I'm waiting. It's it's the first song. But I just thought, wow, that's just an affirmation to me that that song made a difference in somebody. So I'm I'm just going to keep it. What a small, what a small gesture. Uh, Yeah. And what an easy thing to do. I mean, you know. I love to go into places. I, I did some, also did some work in customer satisfaction. I was trained by the Ed, Edwards Dimming. Um, you know, he was the big guru in, in, in taking care of your customers and um, has this whole training that we, uh, Dr. Carnine, a couple of board members and a couple of people from the administration office. And then the, um, when a, another principal went to Maine or someplace way, way up there and went to a, like a week long training on that. So I'm, I'm so in tune to customer service and people greeting you. And my kids hate it because a lot of times I'll say, you know, I'm your customer and, and you're not acting like you want me to stay your customer or something like that. Dad, don't say that. Don't, (laughs) but um, I'm really in tune to that. So what I wanted in my place of business is when, Again, when people walked in the door, you just felt good. You yeah. felt good about yourself. You felt good about being there. It was a place that you'd want to come back to. Because I would say a lot of the people who don't visit schools nowadays are just afraid to go visit. You know, some of them may not speak English well enough. Yeah. How sad is that? So that 
but their kids are in an English-speaking school, but they're afraid to go up and talk because maybe their English isn't what they yeah. want to be. I, the reason I use that example is because I heard it at my own school, and I thought, we're going to fix this real yeah, quick. So, that's heartbreaking. But you just got to, you know, I just think the whole point is that adding value to people doesn't make it doesn't necessarily make you a better person, but it sure does make you um, see results from that long after things have happened. Long, long after things have happened. Yeah. So I think it's cool when you find those things like in everyday life that you can do. Me I, too. We started doing, I started doing something up here. I was in a season, I was just always in a bad mood in the mornings. Everything was going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I would ask uh, the guys in here and the girls in there, just like, hey, give me one good thing for the day. And I was doing it because I was trying to get them just like, just to create good vibes. Right. Like, right. so I get on the same page and it's cool. Cause after a little while I stopped doing it and then they started doing it. Oh, good. And uh, it was it really took, cool. Cause what it yeah. did was it forced me when I stopped being in control of it and they became in control of it. I was having to also think through like, what is What is a good thing today? You do like, am, to am I going there first? And so mm-hmm. before I came into work, I was ready mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And so it was cool because they were doing the same thing. And so um, it's interesting. I, I never planned that. I didn't come home and say, what, what would be a great thing that yeah, we could do yeah. to change culture? What I a just... great thing to do, though, for your staff. I mean, for people that you work with. Yeah. Because how many of us get up with a rotten, no good, horrible attitude? Yeah. And, you know, I remember I remember getting ready to go to church. I used to lead music. Um, and, you know, do you we, still do we, that ever? <laughs> do you still do it ever? I don't do it. Mm, not anymore. Now it's all, you know, courses and praise teams and those kind of things. So, But I would get up and the kids would be, you know, not wanting to get dressed and Debbie would be in a foul mood and you know it was just and you just it would be a horrible morning and then you'd walk into church <laughs> Mr. Christian here you know everybody you know we're fine and when your whole family just falling apart yeah. 30 minutes earlier at home but it's starting out with those good thoughts with you know what what you know what I want to get from today or what can I do nice for somebody today or and then you just that becomes ingrained. It yeah. it really does. It's constantly on my mind. When I'm in an airport or something and I see somebody like at a ticket window or something and they look like they're not having a good day, that's the ticket window that I'm gonna choose to yeah. go to because I want to cheer them up. I have a friend, we used to travel a lot from from Dallas Fort Worth to Austin because she was on the principal uh, Texas Elementary School Principals Board as well and served as president after I did. But we would just kind of stand around and look and see who we thought really needed a laugh. And then our challenge was who can make them laugh first. And she always won <laughs> because she's a nut. But, you know, what a great way to brighten somebody's day. You know, just simply making them laugh and making them know that somebody actually notices and cares yeah. about you act like you you don't feel good or you... I've had so many conversations with people before just by saying, are you okay? Never saw them before in my life, but just saying, are you Okay. And then they just open up. It's like, oh, my boss just jumped all over me and told me this and did all this. I've worked here for 20 years and I hate this place. I can't wait till I get out. And yeah. Then I get to use some of my leadership skills yeah. <laughs> and, and just talk to them, talk them through that just a little bit. But yeah. coaching and mentoring, I think that's my favorite thing because you invest yeah. in like a person yeah. or a couple of people. And, you know, they can, you know, the first question is what? What do you want to improve? What area of your life do you see that you need to improve in? Yeah. And that's just like throwing gasoline on a fire because after that, boy, you know, we can meet three times. We can meet six times. We can meet for the whole year, but it's just, it's just their own professional, personal growth. Yeah. It's not about anything else. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a little accountability partner is really really what it is. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. Sometimes it's just nice to know you're not alone. Exactly. And and there are very few people that really are alone out there. Yeah, yeah. But how many people feel 
Yeah. Like they're alone. Yep. Oh, nobody's ever been through this before. Well, yeah. usually they yes, have. They usually they yeah. have. But yeah, it's, um, I, I literally every day ask that question about adding value to people because I think that's what it's all about. You know, and good leaders do that. Good yeah. leaders add value. I was the other, I'm working on a, a big workshop in Galveston, Texas for all of region three, which is down, you know, the part that the hurricane hurts so mm-hmm. bad. Um, I was supposed to do this workshop right after the hurricane and they called me and they said, we're going to have to cancel. Yeah. So now it's, it's next month and it's in Galveston and I was working on just some way to tie it all together for all these. They're all superintendents and principals and um, upper level administration. And, you know, just out of the blue, John Maxwell's group sends this little video of a girl, no words at all. She's on a beach, could be Galveston, but I looked a little bit prettier than Galveston. And, and she notices a guy overbuilding a sandcastle. <clears throat> and so she's just standing there watching him and he notices that she's watching him and she just, he motions her to come over. And so after getting her mom's approval, she walks over and she watches him, you know, closer up. And then he gives her one of the tools. And he shows her how to use the tools to make the little windows of the castle wall, on the castle wall. Mm. And so she's, she's making these little windows. And, and then he shows her how to do something else. And then he shows her how to do something else. And then his phone rings. So he has to answer his phone. And so he walks away, goes you know out on the beach. And so she just puts her earbuds in and starts listening to her music. And she's making these little trees and doing all this kind of stuff. But what she doesn't realize is all of the people on the beach are walking up behind her, watching her do these very intricate things to this humongous, beautiful sandcastle on the beach. And so she notices them. She pulls her earbuds out and she stands up and all of these people start applauding, just applauding and applauding and applauding. The guy on the phone sees what's happening. So he walks over and he stands with the people and starts applauding as well. And then the end of the, the um, I wish I had the exact quote, but the end of the video, it, the quote is, it's leadership is not about helping yourself become better. It's about leading others and helping them become better or something like that. And then it just ends. And I just thought, wow, perfect thing to use in Galveston, Texas, because all of the things that anybody who is a leader can get from that. I mean, there's a multitude of things that was just shown in this no words video about encouragement, about guiding, about, you know, praising get out of the way and let me do my job. You know, so many leaders just need to do that. Yeah. Just get out of the way unless there's some severe problems going on and let them do their job. That's, that's what I would tell myself all the time. I was not a, you know, a micromanager at all. In fact, I probably was not enough of the manager type or the leader type because I, if there's something wrong, I'd know about it, but I just didn't want people to think that I could do things any better. And if I did, then maybe we could have a conversation, but I want to get away and let them do their job. But, you know, the encouragement for that little girl building the sandcastle, the, just there's so many great leadership skills that's just shown in that little four-minute video. Yeah. And what a great thing that I'm going to use to close yeah. out the session in, in, in Galveston. So um, there's just, there's a lot to be in the leader, but I think it all starts with the heart. Yeah. I, I truly do. Yeah. It's not what you know. It's truly not what you know. It's how you can build trust with your with your team and how they can see that that they want to follow you. They want to follow your leadership. Yeah. So And I'm one, thanks for coming on oh, the podcast. I could stay here all day, but I know you got things no, that you I, need to do. No, I uh I, I see all those things in you. I mean, I well, just getting to watch you from a distance over the years and I see your family that. and be around your kids yeah. and 
um, your leadership skills. I mean, well, just, when you talk to somebody, you just you give them the time of day. You f- they feel like I feel like when you're talking to me, you're not worried about anything else. Yeah. Well, and I think that's I think that's a special gift. I'm, I'm going to share this with you. You're gonna, you may not want it on the on the recording or not. But there was a point in time where I didn't think you liked me. I mean, I was convinced really? Logan Draper did not like me. <laughs> and because, you know, we'd known Katie since she was how old? I don't even yeah. know. Uh, forever, never, never. And so I was talking to Chris one day because it was, you know, when, we're, when, when we were at One Life. And he said, Dad, Logan loves y'all. He said, why would you even say that? And I said, well, he just doesn't ever seem like he, you know, he wants to engage or, he, you know, he's glad to see me or something. I mean, something dumb like that. And he said, you need to give him another chance because you are so off base. <laughs> and it was then, I think, that I thought, well, Chris is probably right. And, you know, I remember approaching you and shaking your hand and saying how you're doing and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, but that there again, that's just a visual impression that was totally 100% yeah. wrong. So thankfully I had somebody to get me back on yeah. base because we wanted to love you like we love Katie. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's just... Well, you might not have been just, off base because I went through some years of just social anxiety. Oh, really? It was heavy. Like I just, I'd go walk into a room and unless I just knew people really well, um, I just, small talk was rough for me. Yeah. You know, and even like Sunday well, that, mornings was just like a nightmare. That could you know? have been because so, that was at the beginning of our one life thing. Um, no, it wasn't. It was after we moved to the theater. I oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it it was in there and all that, but yeah. you're you're probably, you're but you are you're a good guy and you do great work. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, let me and I do like you. Record. I love you guys. I think what y'all are doing is amazing. And well, we just you know and uh, th- go back to the family and the friends. You know, I said our favorite time is to be with our with our with our kids, but you know what we love just as much is being with their friends. Mm. I mean, when they have all their friends over, you know, we we just have those ugly sweater parties and yeah my wife said no more of those people would leave at two or three in the morning on the day before christmas eve and our whole family was going to be at our house the next morning like at 10 o'clock or something we'd be up all night just cleaning and trying to get everything put back together but it was those kind of um those kind of situations that we learned to love their friends as well and i think that's what kind of makes it unique for us because we have you know our, our kids friends come over and just you know visit or we'll see them out and they'll just you know they're just like our own kids like mm. katie i mean you know there's just i can remember her sitting in our in the floor in the bedroom just singing and something and never should get the, get at the piano and just play something and sing and look at her now i, I mean know. that was before she was even you know yeah. really singing um but every time she'd come over, I'd say, yeah. just sing something. Just sing yeah. some Music is my life. <laughs> I think y'all's house was a, a refuge for her in some tough seasons. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. Like oh when, gosh, she, when she tells her story, there's a, there's a point in there where she didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. And she was standing at y'all's house. We've had several several kids that have told us that, you know, since, th- since that happened. Yeah. We didn't, you know, our house has opened to any of our kids' friends because... We just, you know, that's just the way we want it to be. You know, I would tell my kids, and you remember this because you need to tell your kid this whenever <laughs> whenever you they grow up and can understand, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. If your friends are good friends that do right, understand right from wrong and try to be good people, then you're going to you're going to be a good adult one yeah. of these days. I've been friends, uh, Jared and I have been friends since kindergarten. Play on the same sports teams and then somehow we work at the same desk. And that's something. It's either the best thing that's ever happened to this well, world or the worst. Knowing Jared's mom and dad, yeah, you're in. You're you've got a good friend there. Yeah, and knowing your 
your dad. I yeah. mean, I know him. I, I can just see so much. You know, I think Jared's parents were worried for a little while about oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but I think they've learned I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. We, I have to be honest. We worried about several of our kids' friends too. <laughs> but you know, the friends that stuck with them and, 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 went through some hard times with them and even sometimes with us, you know, we had this little house fire thing that kind of rocked our world for a while. Um, those are oh, the friends yeah. that will be there yeah. till the end. I mean, just some of the kids that just, you know, come over and, you know, we don't shake hands, we hug. That's just, you know, and Coulter Lucret is the best at that. He'll, I don't care who he sees, if they reach out his hand, uh-uh, I'm a hugger, you know. <laughs> so that's just, you know, that's just, part of it we want we want that involvement we want kids to come over we want to be so just remember that when you have your own because um the more people you have at your house and the more time your kids spend at your house the more you know about them so (laughs) we oftentimes we built that huge fire pit in the back just so the kids could go out there and sit around that fire pit and do whatever they needed to do but we knew where they were and we knew what was going on Katie tries to use that because that's something we desire. She tries to use that for us to get stuff now. (laughs) If we get a pool now, then our kids would Mm want to be here. Mm -hmm. We have plenty of time to to get that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, kids in pools. Our kids were older when we got. Now it's the grandkids in the pools. And when you see one of your grandkids has gone out your back door and is sitting on the step and you didn't even know where they were. And the pool is like 10 yards away and they're three years old. Yeah, that's, that's not a, a very scary. good feeling. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had to make some adjustments, adjustments with some of that stuff too, because I cannot even imagine something happening. You know, God, I don't think God will give us things that we can't handle, but I'm not sure I can handle something happening to one of the yeah. grandkids at my house because of, you know, not being cautious enough or safe enough or whatever. Yeah. But you're going to be fine. And Katie's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> when y'all have kids. Yeah. And thank you for your investment in her. Oh my goodness! So she loves some you of guys. the best times. I'll never forget my 60th birthday. She and Brendan sang. Did Did you come? I did. It was a, It was a day, wasn't it? It was at night. Did they play? Obviously, they didn't come. Did they, did they play on the back porch? They did. Yeah, I was there. Well, it might have started in. Maybe the day, it was but the then light. it got dark. I just remember it being in the light. Yeah, because I remember them playing on the back porch in the corner, mm-hmm. and then. Um, yep. Yeah. That was so fun. Was, you know, the greatest gift to me ever is just somebody singing. <laughs> Anytime. You know, Chris Tomlin is kind of a friend, a personal friend of mine. Cool. Um, not because of Chris, but because of his brother, Ryan, who's a principal in Tyler, Texas, Lindell, Texas. Uh, we kind of became friends, and then he knew that I loved Chris. And so um, Chris sent me a happy birthday video message, and then I got to go backstage and visit with him and his mom and dad when, when they were in, oh, it was in Louisiana somewhere. What's that little place that has all the casinos? Shreveport? Shreveport. Yeah, we drove all the way to Shreveport to to hear Chris sing. But, um, yeah, I just, um, music is, if I can get up and listen to, and I'll sit in front of, you know, the Facebook if there's something on there with old hymns or something, (laughs) just, and I'm full, you know, I'm, yeah, a lot of times I can leave without having to hear anybody preach. I'm I'm as full as I'm going to get. Just let me get out of here. And Debbie's just the opposite. Is she really? Oh, she'll miss the she'll miss the music service. She can just hear good preaching. So, but we balance out, I guess. I think I take it for granted sometimes, just because I get to hear Katie. Yeah, I mean, oh, all week. Well, you know, Kurt was at First Baptist last Sunday. Not last Sunday, Sunday before last. Oh, was he? He their church was closed. He's he's doing the music for West Campus, and they had a flood. That's where my sister goes to church, and they had a flood, and um, 
So they had to join us at the 11 o'clock service. And I looked down the stage and there's Kurt singing with Ben Prater. And, oh my word, just some of the best music we've had in a long time. <clears throat> it's, ben, it, and, ben and Kurt, that's a... No. That's a duo. It was a duo because Kurt can chime in there with all kinds of parts and just make it. I mean, it was it was good. I can't even remember. Come to the table was one of the songs. That's that's one of those earworms. When I hear that song, "Come to the table," do you know what song I'm talking about? I sing it all day long. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just that. Come to the table over and over and over. And I want to say, get this out of my head. But I'd rather be singing that than. Yeah, you know some of the songs I hear on. Yeah, on yeah, you definitely have a worse song. I don't song. hear very much on on the radio anymore because I just keep it on the message. That's where it stays all the time. That you know that XM. Yep, they play the same songs all the time. That's the worst thing is it's, I know. it's the same ones. But anyway, well, I really appreciate this, and I hope that there was something in there that you can. Oh my goodness! Dig out to make it. No, the, this, this is great. Much. So tell tell everybody real quick. Oh, where um, where people can find you? If they want to get resources um, or, or connected with you. Well, you can easily email me. It's just lukertm, L-U-K-E-R-T-M, at yahoo.com. Um, my telephone number is 940-642-5821. And then I have a website, which needs work. Um, I'm, I'm working. I'm trying. But my problem is I'm trying to learn how to do it instead of just having somebody do it for me because I want to change it consistently yeah. all the time. Um, and by the way, on that, on that website, I've done... Um, at least seven different units of how to improve the morale of your staff, which they're just goofy poems that I've written that you can put a candy bar on or goofy poems that I've written that you can put nachos in the lounge for your people or a whole week you can celebrate uh, the week before Christmas like with snowman days. So every day is a different snowman and every day you do something for your staff associated with the snowman. That's super um, cool. So there's seven of those and those are on my website too. And that's what I'm kind of doing now as far as um, with the website. You know, the big thing is getting emails and then building your email base and then sending emails about, I put something on um there's a principles page on Facebook, and I just put a little poem. I think it made it to the main Facebook page too, but it was just a Happy New Year poem. Um, and I, th- I think I, I had like over 100 people um, download that poem on my website <laughs> so that they could use it with their staff. That's great. Because it's so easy. It was something about making a Whopper of a year, and you just put a bag of Whoppers with it in that poem, and it's just... You know, that's great. Yeah. That's that, that kind of stuff just doesn't get out of my head either. I'm constantly writing poems and constant. And you know, who, Coulter's do, kind of doing the same thing now, too, I noticed. And Carson. Carson loves to write. Oh, really? Little funny poems. That's I, great. It's, it's kind of weird it's how in, it's, in the it's DNA. all evolving. But um, yeah, the website has quite a bit of information on there. It has lots of the talks that I've done in the past. Um, you know, the main thing is I want people to know that I, if you ever need a lunch speaker, a free lunch speaker, I would be happy to come and talk about whatever you want as far as leadership or not. It doesn't have to be leadership. It can be, yeah. you know, staff morale. It can be, yeah. you know, building up each other. It can be adding value to people, um, whatever. That's great. That's what I love to do. That's great. So, Thank you for your time. 